Cheerscast is part of the Fire and Water Network. Cliff, Norm, Woody Boyd. Woody's going to be helping us out around here. Oh, Hi. hey. Nice, nice to meet you. All right. It's a pleasure, gents. Make it anything you want. Now, where I come from, all anyone ever drinks is beer. Beer's fine, but any monkey can pull down a tap. Why study years to be an ace mixologist just to serve beer after beer after beer? So, what'll it be? Beer. <laughs> Same. Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly and we are halfway through our coverage of Cheers' fourth season. That means I'm going to pause covering the episodes in order to open up Cliffy's mailbag and address some of the listener feedback that we have gotten since last time. First, as you may recall, on the last mailbag episode, which was the end of Season 3, my guest John Trumbull and I also discussed the kind of bizarre crossover between Cheers and St. Elsewhere. This chat received comments from Gene Hendricks, Joe McGuire, Chris Franklin, Paul Wildenberger, Siskoid, Doug Vandiver, and David Ace Gutierrez. I'm not going to read any specific comments from that episode, but a good chunk of the talk that sprang out of it was clarifying that Cheers is, in fact, still streaming on a number of platforms. It might not be on Netflix anymore, but it sounds like it's still on Hulu, Paramount+, and Peacock. So that's good. On to Season 4, Episode 1, Birth, Death, Love, and Rice, with my guest Omar Yudin. This episode received comments from Rob Kelly and Ward Hill Terry. Rob said, In the Later with Bob Costas episode with the Charles Brothers and James Burroughs, they mentioned that the decision to replace Coach with a younger character had some influence from NBC. Cheers' lead-in, Family Ties, naturally had a huge teen and younger person audience, most of which were tuning Cheers out. So when they were deciding how to replace Coach, having it be someone not middle-aged factored into it. Luckily, that decision made creative sense as well as Sam went from the student to the teacher. Ted Danson's read on the I Like to Think He's Still Around is one of my favorites from the show. The affection he felt for Nicholas Calasanto melts perfectly with how Sam felt about Coach. I, I agree with that. I hadn't heard about NBC sort of insisting they go with a younger cast member to replace Coach, but it definitely makes uh, sense in terms of like the viewing audience shares, but also the creative decision that they took it. Episode 2, Woody Goes Belly Up, with guest Rick Heineken, got comments from Marlene Stemmy and Rob Kelly. Marlene said, I am enjoying, and I agree with, your take on Woody as a better character than Coach. That in no way diminishes Coach, but Coach was a mostly fully formed character, in large part because of his age and his backstory, but I think also because of the era and Coach's personality. Coach fit comfortably in the past, and his humor was warm and sometimes predictable. Woody is obviously at the start of his life journey out of Indiana. His humor could be more surprising and oddly insightful, like when he says in this episode that he has been thinking about what the janitor at Cheers said about sublimation. That is my favorite line, by the way. Yeah, I love that one. 
uh, episode three, Someday My Prince Will Come, with my guest Gabby Bendel. This one got comments from Siskoid and Carolyn, both of whom schooled me on the Jojo the Dog-Faced Boy reference that went over mine and Gabby's heads. Uh, a couple people mentioned that on Facebook, too, so... Uh, Carowin said, Jojo the dog-faced boy was an actual person. It was the stage name of Fedor Yevtichev, a Russian sideshow performer with hypertrichosis, excessive hair growth, who signed with P.T. Barnum as a teenager. He became so much of a pop culture superstar that his name still shows up occasionally, even now, more than a century after his death. So I'm not terribly surprised a reference or two would sneak into Cheers. No, I mean, when you put it that way, sure, yeah, I get it. I never, I had heard the reference. I didn't know, really, that there was more to it. Uh, episode 4, The Groom Wore Clearasil with John Thurmond received a comment from Siskoid who said, I didn't realize all of these pieces were part of the Tortelli show. Wow. Yep, yep, all those kiddies, those crazy kids. Episode 5, Diane's Nightmare with Marlene Stemmy got comments from Rob, Siskoid, and Mike Thomas. Mike said, A funny thing about my history with this episode is I first saw it in reruns around 1990 and never saw it again until recent years. For some reason, over time, I got it into my head that there really was supposed to be a wine cellar behind that door by the stairs to Melville's, and I thought that for about 30 years until recently realizing that it was only in Diane's dream. On a related note about the sets, I used to wonder how big that hidden area behind the desk in Sam's office was. It looked like they kept wine back there, and I believe Norm was hiding back there in one episode for several days when he was supposed to be out of town. The cheer sets had lots of cool nooks and crannies. Yep, yeah, last season he did hide out there for about a week. Um, it seems like that's supposed to be the stock room, um, but then sometimes it is in that, that closet by the stairs to Melville, so, yeah, who knows? The kind of, you know, like you said, lots of nooks and crannies, places for them to put stuff. Episode 6, I'll Gladly Pay You Tuesday with Brandon Davis, got comments from Ward Hill Terry and Rob. Rob said, The inflated book is one of my favorite Cheers props. It probably would be a stretch if Sam had started reading, say, War and Peace, but Hemingway? I could see Sam getting into that. By the way, a signed The Sun Also Rises currently goes for around $4,000. A really fun curio would be getting Ted Danson to autograph a copy. That is a good idea. And if, if I was ever in a situation to meet Ted Danson or something like that or get an autograph, maybe I would have a copy of The Sun Also Rises for that. I, she told me not to touch it. I touched it, and now it's fat. Episode 7, Too Good to Be For Real, with Siskoid. Got comments from Chris Franklin and Siskoid. I don't remember if we mentioned it on the episode, but this one, we, Siskoid and I mentioned that it wasn't the strongest episode, we didn't think, and we didn't like the title. But that one got a writing nomination at the Emmys that year. So, anyway. Uh, episode 8, Love Thy Neighbor, with Tim Price. Got a comment from Clinton Robison, who said, To answer Tim's question about the popularity of certain Disney characters, Timon and Pumbaa had their own spin-off cartoon series from 1995 to 1999. Remember, the Disney afternoon was a pretty big deal back in the 90s, and just about every successful Disney movie at the time had some sort of cartoon series spin-off. The Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Hercules, Timon and Pumbaa, 
The Mighty Ducks, all of these were cartoons that appeared to varying degrees of success. Adding to all of that, the third, being one and a half, Lion King movie was a Timon and Pumbaa-focused film. So yeah, they are slash were popular enough to have been considered their own franchise, I guess. Um, I don't even remember why we're talking about Timon and Pumbaa. Oh yeah, the, oh, the, the guest actor, the, um, yeah, the private eye. Yeah, he was the, yeah, the voice, okay. Uh, episode 9, From Beer to Eternity, with Mike Gillis, got comments from Rob McCarthy, John Schaefer Hames, Siskoid, Tim Price, and Captain Entropy. John said there was a Sports Illustrated article which covered Sam Malone as if he were a real player, and lists Sam's lifetime stats as, and he lists all the, the numbers and things. Uh, John says, from this near gibberish, we can figure out that he was a good but not great relief pitcher. Relievers' ERAs tend to be inflated because they play less innings at a time. What's also interesting is that Sam would have been pitching for the Sox during their appearance in the 1975 World Series. As far as I know, Sam doesn't mention this fact, but assuming the series went the same way in the Tommyverse as the real one, it wouldn't be a memory he'd probably want to revisit. Um, that that was sort of mentioned in the Season 2 episode when uh, Dick Cavett shows up at Cheers. Um, and he t- kind of mentions that uh, there were... The, Sam tells him there were things about his career that he doesn't remember. And he mentions, like, including 1975. And Dick Cavett's like, oh, that's the year that you guys won the pennant. And Sam acts surprised, like, we did? Hey, how about that? You know, so, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of giving away that, uh, yeah, he was probably too drunk to even maybe even pitch in that World Series. Um, I remember that article because John, John shared it, so I read that article that uh, treats Sam as if he's a, a real person, and it's an interesting little reading experience. They they heavily quote and reference stuff to, from Cheers and use direct quotes and lines that I don't think work as well out of the context of the show, but yeah, it was interesting. Um, still with that episode, because uh, Mike and I talked about the number of credits and how many semesters uh, Diane spent bowling, Tim Price added, Diane's P.E. credits for bowling didn't actually bother me because of the rules my college followed. While the P.E. classes had the same three-hour-per-week requirement as a three-credit class, they were only worth one credit. We were required to complete one P.E. class per semester for at least four semesters, so that gave me only four P.E. credits over four semesters, or two years. So for Diane's undergraduate college, they had the slightly longer six-semester requirement, but if it was also also just one credit per class, she earned a mere six credits in bowling. Now, the thing is, my school wouldn't let you repeat a passing PE class during your career, so I couldn't take golfing one four times, but I could take both badminton one and badminton two for a total of two credits. Yes, these are all real examples for me, including bowling one. It was a great, it was great taking things I wanted to try. So either the rules were different and Diane was allowed to take bowling six times, or the college offered us six distinct levels of bowling. <laughs> wow. Uh, either way, Tim says, I'd be willing to bet Diane and other students abused the system too much and the rules were promptly changed after she graduated. Wow. Thank you very much for that. Uh, that makes total sense. And that, that feels like, like I, yeah, I, I totally understand that. That Yeah, that, that sounds like, uh, that actually sounds like my high school. PE requirements, um, but uh, yeah, good, good, good thinking, Tim. That's a that's a total fix for that problem that we had. Uh, although, yeah, the, 
taking the same class over and over. That does seem like a problem. Episode 10, The Bar Stooley with Gene Hendricks got comments from Tim Price, Siskoid, and Gene Hendricks. It was basically a whole lot of them talking about the layout of the bar and the windows and the bathrooms and the pool room, trying to make sense of the building size and structure. I, I, I don't know if you can actually do it. Episode 11, Don Juan is Hell with guest Paul Spataro. Got comments from Mike Thomas, Gene Hendricks, Paul Wildenberger, and Coconut Phone. Somebody knew. I've never heard of that one, but Coconut Phone said, I always pictured Diane as being about the same age as Sam. As mentioned several times, Diane has multiple degrees or post-secondary studies. Specifically in the series finale, she mentions that she has been asked to speak at almost all of her alma maters, so she doesn't have to be right out of her undergrad when she is Sumner's TA. That is a very good point, Um, although I don't know if uh, yeah, I'm not sure how many degrees she had because of how many times she minored or changed her majors or something like that. But that, that is a very good point. So based on all of those those different studies in different areas, she could have been older by the time we met her. I don't know. I still just got the impression that she wasn't older than 25. But I could be wrong. Who knows? I don't know if we'll ever find out. Um, episode 12, Fools and Their Money, with guest Ashford Wright. Got comments from Mike Thomas and Coconut Phone. And episode 13, Take My Shirt, Please, with Rob Kelly. Got comments from Tim Price and Ward Terry. Ward said, Red Sox pitcher Jim Longborg was one of the key members of the 1967 Impossible Dream Red Sox, champions of the American League. He won the Cy Young Award that year. My drummer has an autographed photo of him in the practice space. Longborg is greatly admired as a pitcher and a dentist in the greater Boston area. I don't think he's had to pay for a drink for 54 years. Wow, nice. All right, that is it for the listener feedback for the first half of Season 4. Next week, we should resume our regular coverage with Episode 14, Suspicion, with my guest Chris Karam. And coming up a few weeks after that will be the first appearance of Dr. Lilith Sternen. So exciting. Until then... Thanks to all of you out there who listen to Cheerscast and support the show by liking and sharing on Facebook, favoriting and retweeting on Twitter, and leaving a comment on the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Ashford Wright from the Right On Podcast Network and Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents and Monday Movie Muckabout, who sponsor the show. For more information on how you can support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and until next time, we're closed. Trevor, a case study. Who, who's Trevor? That's you. You're not going to use my name? Of course not. So I do all the work, and this Trevor guy gets the credit? <laughs> Sam, this is not your resume. In a psychological treatise, real names are never used. Yeah, but at least I should be able to choose my own name. I mean, how about Duke? 